Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Buffy. Uh, we are watching... Um, what episode are we watching? Wild at Heart. All right. Uh, I'm your host, as, you, as usual, Dennis St. John, uh, horror cartoonist. Um, and why don't we do a roll call? Start uh, with John. Hey, my name is John. I'm uh, here with everybody else. Trav. Hey, it's Travis. I'm here hanging out. And Michael, the poly poly. Hey, I'm, I'm here too, just hanging, guys. I'm also a virgin that hasn't seen Buffy uh, up to, except up to Wild at Heart. <laughs> Thanks. That'll, that'll factor in during the episode. You'll see. Thank you. I feel like that's important for anybody who might be dropping in as a new listener to do those. Of who's the... Okay, yeah. I mean, the people that are dropping in are mostly hoping that this is a pirated episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that they can watch for free on YouTube. And so it's a bit of a disappointment every time. But yes. like, this is actually a <laughs> podcast where four friends hang out and one of them hasn't seen the show except for the first time as they're watching it. And then, but it's also an excuse to hang out. So it's nice. <laughs> a lot's happened since we recorded Beer Bad, even though you just listened to it last week. One of us went on a trip and, the, and somebody else got married, uh, but I'm not going to tell you who did what. <laughs> so now on to reactions. <laughs> Audience reactions. Um, Silver Spike One wrote on our Beer Bad uh, uh, episode on YouTube. Oh, I don't think Parker is just successful version of Xander. I give the character more credit than that. Parker comes across to me as not just a user, but someone that's having a deep dislike of women underneath it all. I don't think you could accuse Xander as being that at all. Could you remember Xander coming out of the toilet, coming out with the toilet comment because I couldn't? All in all, I think Beer Bad gets a bad rap amongst fans, but I've never found it that bad. Yes, it's rather weak writing-wise, but even Buffy's worst episodes compare favorably with other fantasy shows. Mm. What's the toilet comment he's talking yeah, about? Uh, the toilet that's, for, uh, that's actually a spoiler for, I think, next week. Um, but yeah, thanks. I, I agree with Silver Spike on, like, I think we were too harsh on Xander with that comparison. But it, I mean... <laughs> Beer Bad is a bad episode, though. I love Beer Bad as an episode, but I don't think we're too harsh on Xander. But I think Silver Spike is correct that uh, it, it is, I would still watch a bad Buffy episode like Beer Bad yes. over a good episode of many, many other fantasy shows. Uh, it's more charming than charmed. Uh, going into it, like I knew it was the worst episode of Buffy, or that's what I'd heard, and didn't feel like it was the worst. Uh, but I did... I mean, especially compared to some of the season one stuff, like season one, episode one and two, with some of the weird inane stuff that happens. This at least like had some really strange character stuff going on with the caveman transformations and stuff. Uh, speaking of caveman transformations, um, I drew a picture of Buffy with the full Cro-Mag brow. And um, <laughs> Rich brought up the idea that maybe Sarah Michelle, uh, uh, at Dingo Action, Rich, um, on Twitter brought up the idea that maybe Sir Michelle Geller had a rider in her contract that stipulated no brow prosthetics. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, but uh, maybe it's true because uh, she was like 
a movie star at this point. Um, so I could see her being like, I don't want to wear vamp makeup anymore. Ren and Oz um, said, uh, my favorite thing about you reading that tweet out was the pitch perfect delivery and then a winky face, which tells me I didn't read it pitch perfect. <laughs> um, it says, uh, and hell, hell yes, I would guess uh, hemisphere and recording <laughs> devices uh, permitting hot tip as lifelong musical theater performer slash certified nerd. You don't want me for a season or two. I think that's going to be a really popular episode that oh. a lot of people are want to guest on. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, so why don't we go into the summary? The summary. Buffy, season four, episode six, Wild at Heart. You may have heard one is the loneliest number, but this episode proves that isn't the case. One, actually, well, her name is Willow. Buffy herself is all but invisible by the entire campus co-eds as she is chased by a vampire across the lawn. While technically she is the only person to literally stab someone in the heart this episode, she isn't the only heartbreaker. Willow and Oz's relationship is rockier than the Sunnydale Quarry. So bad, in fact, she is seeking hypothetical advice for her hypothetical friend from Xander. Perhaps the most surprising part of the episode is his rational advice, just talk to Oz. Well, you can't talk to a stone wall, so that doesn't work. Oz breaks free of his crypt and runs into another werewolf in the night, and it's Veruca. You know Veruca? Voice like an albatross, dresses like Faith? Well, those two wake up all scratched and naked in a field, and you can do the math there. Veruca states that Oz's scent is on her. Yikes. Buffy consults Giles after Maggie Walsh tells her that she was almost attacked by two wild dogs the previous night. Nothing bad in the papers, so she drops by Oz's crypt to find him repairing the door. Silent Oz stays non-verbal, potentially putting his friends in danger. But he has a plan, a very bad plan, to trick Farouk into being locked into a cage all night with him. Willow drops by in the morning with coffee and sees Oz and Farouk naked, cuddling, on the floor, and Oz is the little spoon in this relationship. <laughs> World askew, Willow walks into traffic, only to be saved by Riley at the very last moment. Buffy takes her home, and although she promises to rest, she starts cooking up a revenge spell, but thankfully never finishes that dish. She is surprised by Veruca, who has come to kill Willow, however. Just in time, Oz shows up to defend her, and he ends up killing Veruca. Buffy is able to tranquilize Oz before any further physical damage. But Oz can't stay in Sunnydale. He can't handle his fur, so to speak. He has to figure out the wolf inside him, and that can only happen on the open road. Good job, Trav. Great. Travis, do you really think that Faith and Veruca dress alike? That's a quote from... That's a line from the show. Oh, that's stated. Okay, all right. (laughs) What's Willow's Willow's smack talk, which is why I just love it. It's so hyperbolic. That's right. (laughs) Also, like, that Faith is such a, like, a... Uh, a thing for them that they can reference like yeah yeah it's like, hey remember that crazy person that was one of our was once one of our friends who tried to kill us all <laughs> let me reference that person again and again, and again which is so true to real life <laughs> that's true <laughs> let's move on to great lines great lines travis why don't you go first this line happens in the first five minutes four minutes Buffy's fighting a vampire. She says, you eat this slate and you're going to get heartburn. Stab. That's it. That's all I get for my pun. And the vamp just dusts. 
Oh, such a good one. Heartburn. Ah, so good. <laughs> I enjoyed uh, Giles uh, when he's watching the game show on TV and he says, you moron, the Dinetsuch should have been mine. <laughs> I wanted to have that one, but yeah, I saw it already. <laughs> that was such a good one. Uh, Mike, why don't you be Xander and uh, John, why don't you be Willow? All right. What does it mean when a girl wants to, you know, if you're doing it, I think you should be able to say it. Make love. Wild monkey love or tender Sarah McLachlan love. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene is excellent. I'm surprised it's the best, best scene in the show. I'm surprised I didn't listen to these, any Sarah McLachlan after this episode. I mean, usually these are like triggers. They're triggers for me to listen to my 90s music. I don't think there's a Sarah McLachlan trigger. I mean, dogs. maybe if you saw like, oh, dogs. Not commercial. <laughs> yeah, dogs are about to be put to sleep. Like, oh, about to euthanize a bunch of cats. And you're like, oh, Sarah McLachlan. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> Who's playing that damn Sarah McLachlan? It's like, I don't know. John, you did a good Willow, so do Willow again and I'll right. be Buffy. I have wrong feelings about other guys sometimes. And... I feel guilty and I flog and punish. Exactly. I'm sure Oz is flogging and punishing himself. This is sounding wrong before I even finish. (laughs) Gotta love a dirty joke. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Let's do kill count. The kill count. Um, I counted one vampire dusted, one human slash werewolf. Oz uses the word hootenanny for the very second time. Um, <laughs> two bands break up and uh, one werewolf fuck scene. So, Oh, the bands broke up? I didn't know that was like a confirmed thing. It felt well, like they well, could still play. Dingoes could st- <laughs> yeah, I figured no, when no. your lead singer is murdered. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but Dingoes could still play. She's not in that yeah, band. Oz doesn't play. doesn't play. He doesn't sing. He could, uh, they could find another guitar player. I guess it's a, ba- a bass pl- Is he guitar or is he bass? He plays guitar. guitar. Yeah. Is it hard to play guitar? Not the way I play it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. Depends how you play. Yeah. Let's move on to, yeah, maybe it was premature for me to call Dingo's dead. Um, It was just my guess, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to Weird Noticings and Trivia. Weird Noticings. Uh, I say, like, Spike is totally right. The Buffy should not be like, like calling for more danger. Like she should one hundred percent know this by now. <laughs> that show works. Uh, but that's a great opening with like him like being like I'm back in town and I'm the big bad and then like zap gone. That was such a strange opening because it's a complete misdirect on what the episode is about. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's fun in retrospect, but at the time, I was super confused by what happened afterwards, because <laughs> uh, that doesn't really come back. Like Spike doesn't appear again. Yeah, it's also uh, Spike used to always enter Sunnydale by crashing into the Sunnydale sign, and this season he can apparently get into town without uh, that level of damage anymore. It could have happened off screen. We don't know. That's true. Like not by act, like not because he's drunk or anything, just because he's like it's a tradition. <laughs> um, to me, Giles needs adult friends, and uh, making adult friends is really hard. But I just read um, about a group called I think it's called Men Sheds. It's a it's a group, um, <clears throat> and it's for like adults who are retired or older. You know, anyone who's retired. Like they hang out with with other men and like make projects and help people and 
I guess it started in Australia. So but I think it's right after this episode aired 20 years ago. You should send Giles an email about it. <laughs> that sounds like a group of people that watch Home Improvement together. Yeah, men, men sheds. The name's kind of crazy, but it's it's out there if you, if you want to meet some other men. Yeah, it's also like, I mean, Giles is just making that transition from being like, adult mentor to like trying to be actually friends with these young adults yeah they're not having it he's still too weird yeah (laughs) which is sad they've had so many adventures together and so many crazy experiences you feel like they should be way closer and instead giles comes across as super awkward it's like it's kind of sad like they should be over all this weirdness but i agree i I think it's kind of like but like season three buffy is like i'm quitting the council like she was like like I'm done with this stage, but she doesn't actually want to be done with that stage with Giles, right? She always comes to Giles for advice and kind of wants this like parental boundary to still be there, right? Right, so Buffy's responsible for keeping the boundary up even though Giles is probably like over it, clearly over it or trying to. Giles is like a super stuffy British, you know, older British guy. Maybe maybe that's just his his style. Like he's never going to be like that, you know, California surfer, you know, stereotype, right? But I feel like we've learned that the that is to some extent a uh, a role that he plays, and that he's capable of playing other roles. Even like even though he's you know he's moved past his rocker phase in life, like he still has the records. He still has his sex friends over for afternoon sex dates. Uh, you know, he's got a TV that he watches. Like he's, he's, he has another side to him. He's, and he's, he's making baby steps. But I mean, you know, he's, he's no Wesley. I don't think he's price. changing. <laughs> I don't think he's changing or evolving as so much as he's revealing that side of himself. And he wants, he wants the only people he knows in America to, to share on these other sides of himself. I feel really sympathetic to Giles in this. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I feel like he, he, he should make grown up friends, but like he's doing the best he can with what he's got. But, you know, he's not like the stuffiest British watcher character we see on the show, right? Like, there's degrees. He's not like the coolest one who, I mean, I'm, the only other cool watcher would have been like that. We never even met him. Was that, Jama- was that Jamaican watcher? Like, I don't know. I mean, that's the only watcher I know of, right? Maybe that guy was cool. I mean, we don't know. We it didn't know. sound like he raised Kendra's uh, watcher? Kendra's watcher, Kendra yeah. in a very cool way. She's Yeah, Kendra seemed like she was even more strict. Well, he, he, there was a lot more boundaries there. I think, yeah, that, that one had more boundaries. So maybe, maybe that watcher was even more strict than Wesley was and then Giles. And maybe there's like a really cool laid back watcher that we never get to meet because they're like, I don't know. They're always. I'm sure the cool laid back watchers don't get sent out on missions. Right? No, they turn evil. What happens? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. The, the coolest, like most relatable watcher did end up turning evil. You're right. <laughs> um, Spotting. It is kind of sad that the second watcher we really meet is Wesley, right? Because it's like this generic uh, British uptight watcher school that they go through that like generates shitty uptight humans. Because like Giles was a cool dude at one point, like that crazy, you know, transgressive dude. And then like goes through watcher council school and he's like a total uh, tweed wearer. (laughs) We'll see. Mike's only seen up to episode... Oh yeah, let's make sure confirm my virginity here. (laughs) Well, so we got we got Mike watching Angel, so but he hasn't yet seen past episode eight of Angel. No, well, you guys have gotten far. I'm on like episode four of Angel, I think. All right, Uh, hey Mike, what do you think about uh, the scene in the bronze? I feel like if this is your first episode of Buffy, this is a weird episode to watch. There's already been Spike, this like fake Spike intro where this character you don't know claims he's going to be a bad villain, gets taken away. 
And then this bronze scene has terrible acting. And it, I get it. They're trying to distance us from Oz and then show that he's like in a trance in a way. But like it, it just, the whole read is so strange. If you don't understand the, like you get that Oz is into Veruca in some way and like that's going on. But the acting in the bronze, it's so awkward. That scene is just like one of the strangest scenes in Buffy because you're also adding the awkwardness of Giles, like not getting with the kids or getting it. So that kind of like, oh, it's not just Oz. It's Giles is weird too. And like, this is a weird group of people. And it has like this freaks and geeks vibe that like is missing from the show in every other sequence where people are much quippier. So it's just like this understated slow motion freaks and geeks thing. Uh, Anyway, it would look like a bad show, I think in in another world but it's i I was into it but i was also like oh this is strange it just like jumped out at me yeah another thing that i think is weird about that scene which i like is like usually buffy isn't the most tuned into other people's feelings because like she's usually the center of insane shit so like a lot of other people's friend drama she like ignores but she's like tuned into willow really hard in this scene and is like you know trying to like buffer willow you know Trying to be like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I noticed that. Uh, so there's a there's a scene where they're turning in their psychology papers, or they're getting their grades back on their psychology papers. And I just wanted to point out that uh, I think that Willow has definitely been uh, reading her Calvin and Hobbes because she turned in her paper in a clear plastic binder. <laughs> That's all. And then uh, later uh, we have the scene with uh, Veruca and. Uh, I just really love the the character detail that when like there's this whole thing, the whole like triangle between Veruca and Oz and Willow that the whole time Veruca is eating a gigantic hamburger. It just, it, it, it's a nice little piece of characterization to make her seem predatory and stuff like that. It's just one of those little prop, good prop work. It's really good prop work is what it is. That's another yeah. super awkward scene too. This is the one of the most awkward episodes conversationally where humans like can't say what's really going on in the scene. Like that scene is super awkward. But it's supposed to be. It's not awkward. It's not awkward in that it's bad writing. It's 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 everybody is uh, Yeah, yeah, right. sorry. I didn't mean awkward like awkwardly produced. Yeah. I think the one in the bronze can read is awkwardly produced. But this that it it's not. It's intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I wouldn't say it's awkward so much as it's tense. I mean, I, I uh, think the awkwardly produced thing is a vibe that runs off of the spike opener, which feels like it's a stupid show. And then it runs into this awkward scene. And then there's another awkward scene later. But it, it's all intentional. Just the direction is weird on that opening. And it's bad direction on the opening. In my opinion. But I didn't, whatever. <laughs> it's 20 years old. Uh, Mike, do you have any opinions about werewolves? Oh, gosh. Please, don't trust a werewolf that locks himself up at night. Like, hey, guys, I got this. Don't worry about it. Like, when Oz, like, lets Willow off the hook to go to, like, spell casting class, like, to hang out with other, you know, witches in a coven, and then he's like, I'll lock myself up. Like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we, for the first time, see what Oz is doing for his cage since the high school blew up. Yeah, I feel like there was like a like a somebody who's like an art student from like the sculpture department who like learned like <laughs> like learned welding to like do bad art and Oz is yeah. like weld me a cage out of things I found in the scrap metal dumpster. <laughs> Trev, well, I, f- I feel like it's um, it's like these um, marijuana farms that are grown on federal land, 
you know, they're like these illegal squatting. This is what this crypt <laughs> seems like. It seems like this is like squatting on somebody's private crypt because no one has <laughs> for a crypt. They basically found the most decrepit crypt that everyone that had no, that everyone died. You know, there's no, there's no living relatives of this person. And I thought, okay, time to set up shop in this, this crypt that no one's going to come looking at. Wait, is it a crypt? I thought Oz yeah. was in his basement at his like off-campus house. No, he's in a crypt. They show an exterior oh, of the cemetery. And I love the idea that a vampire could just like wander into this, see the world in the cage and be like, what the fuck? I love the idea that he's apparently, I didn't even think about this. He's disturbing somebody's mortal remains. <laughs> That's fucked up. Yeah. It yeah. looks like it's been cleared out, right? There's yeah. not yeah. He probably cleared it out. I mean, he probably cleared it out. <laughs> somebody's like skeleton is, he's, he's just, yeah. just shoved really, to the side. I, I really like the welding of the cage because like obviously he has the technical skills to build like a door with a, a lock shitty, system. A shitty door. Like, yeah, the door falls apart, but like he can't regularly space bars. Like they gotta be all like at crazy diagonals and shit. Like how is it you like can't control like your ninety degree angles, but you can like <laughs> set up a like a security system? It's such a forget- thoughtlessly produced cage. I mean, it feels, it didn't feel totally weird, but it felt we- a little bit weird. I'm like, oh, I guess that could work. I mean, it works in the context of the episode because the whole point of it is that like, he, he, gets out. he can't trust himself and that he's, he's sort of putting, he puts himself in positions he knows he can get out of. Uh, so it works with the episode, but it does feel like somebody should have noticed. Yeah, yeah. There should be a security system around Oz. Like, make sure he locks himself up. You know, have a second set of eyes on this system. Yeah, sort of like how like drug people have like trip sitters. Like, you need like a werewolf sitter. Like, you just do. Well, you said something interesting though, John, where you said like he put himself in a cage he knew he can get out of. You think that's it's intentionally a poorly made cage, or well, it's just like a the... production design concern? There's some. Well, I mean, I feel like it fits. Like, if you want to complain about it, though, it does fit with the motivations of the character because the whole thing where he. He locks himself up with Veruca, sort of subconsciously knowing that he's going to be putting in a position where he's going to have sex with her. Uh, I feel like the building a shitty cage fits with that that motivation really, really well. Like he's like, "Oh, I'm going to build a cage, but I'm not going to build it that well." Like, but he didn't even have to knock down the doors. There was definitely open spaces up at the top that he could have <laughs> just climbed right through. Yeah, but if that's the case, then why bother locking the cage? I mean, I guess that's like. That's Again, just... it's this is these are the games you play with yourselves. Like how, like, um, you know, like, like how like buying a six pack of beer and being beers. like, I'll yeah, drink exactly. half of it tomorrow. Exactly. I just, I just did that. I've got a six pack right now that I'm like, oh, I'll drink more of it later. But really, I won't. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mike, you go to the next comment. The next. Oh comment. yeah. So this is related to like John had the amazing great line about Giles responding to TV, and he's clearly pretending you know like to read you know book while he watches television like giles likes television but has this uptight attitude where he can't like it it's you know he has to be an adult in some way so he can't like it and it's just very funny it was a funny payoff for you, you know you guys pointed this out in a previous episode i think where like giles has a television like that's behind a bunch of books and they they catch a news bulletin whatever that spike is someone is digging a tunnel what the fuck is going on you know and they investigate it uh during the episode where they get the the ring of Amara, whatever. And like Giles had TV and it's kind of a weird thing to point out. And then like Giles clearly watches bullshit TV <laughs> game shows, which was like the lowest quality television 
of the 90s was probably game shows. It's just like the most formulaic bullshit. Anyway, I was a little sad that somebody was, that's what he was watching, but it made me laugh. That was a good moment. Yeah, and it, I guess it also sets up with that whole theme, like you were talking about, of Oz putting himself in a cage he can get out of. It was like Giles with a TV and a book. Like, I'm going to pretend to read. I'm going to lie to myself. Yeah, I mean, I'm just reading a book with a television nearby. I'm going to be constantly partially paying attention to this, uh, this book. The Willow-Xander scene where Willow is kind of trying to connect with Xander about some of her anxiety about her relationship, like as it's unfolding slowly, is like a really sweet scene. And like, it's funny, it's interesting. And like, it's probably my favorite scene, the Willow-Xander basement conversational, whatever this is. Like, it's a very sweet uh, platonic relationship. And like, I, I don't think I've seen that on this, this show where it's like, they're both kind of, she's clearly, not only is she in another relationship, but she's kind of over, completely over whatever she had with Xander before. And Xander's also moved on. And like, they're just relating to each other as people and Xander's still being quippy and silly. And like, I really like that scene. I like the vibe of that scene. I want to see more of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good and, scene. Uh, that is a really good scene. Thanks, Mike. I also like... Willow's wearing the leather pants in that. And I was like, that's so close to Vamp Willow. Doesn't count. But... <laughs> but we haven't seen Anya in a couple episodes, right? Like... No, we haven't. She's been out. <laughs> um, Oz always just has like the nicest stuff. Like he's wearing so many cool t-shirts this episode and stuff. And I like one of the background things he has is an astronaut TV. Uh, it's just like my favorite kind of like, junky tv that doesn't really work as well as you want it to tv you know yeah oz has a lot of really awesome stuff he has this like rad like lounge sign he has this like cool vintage desk fan and then he just like leaves it all he's just like i'm out and i'm really worried about his stuff his apartment situation <laughs> like his roommates oh are like have to make up and share the rent like, sure, uh, I, th I think you're maybe like you just packed all your stuff up you're maybe like reading into into this not I mean, that yes. couldn't possibly be happening yes, having, it, is, it is personal because i'm also moving but you're having vicarious moving stress while watching this it's true it's true but i mean oz just fucking leaves and like i feel bad for his roommates you have to deal with the fallout of that shit is he roommates with dingo with the other guys from Dingo? They didn't specifically say that. They said that it's a, he has, he's got a house with some friends off campus, I think is what they said. Not necessarily. It looks like a dorm. Yeah, it looks totally like a dorm. It does not look like a dorm. It's a room in a house. What are you talking about? No dorm is that nice or has that much stuff in it. Looks like a dorm. It's not like a dorm. <laughs> oh, I was just saying that the, um, the revenge spell that Willow was cooking up looked pretty amazing. Like she references yeah. Hades, right? She references a couple of really like badass greek gods or goddesses i think she calls on satan himself right <laughs> it like, was not gonna go well this show barely ever like deals with like the actual like, devil but like, like christian yeah christian devil yeah will is like ready to do it and you know it was gonna work because of all that floating oh yeah that shit was, yeah it was like yeah it was ready to be like a thermonuclear like spell <laughs> Which would have been, which would have made season four really interesting if all of a sudden Willow does some, some you know, something really crazy with her magic. Because up until now, she's only done good things with her magic, right? Am I re remembering right? She, the, big, the biggest spell she's ever done is putting Angel's soul, reinsoling Angel. Was that the biggest spell that she's done? Or did she do another spell in season three that I'm not remembering? 
Because season, season three, she's always like, Giles, I'm a good spellcaster. You know, I know my magic. She's been in pencils and mastering some of the four elements. I would she, say reinstalling angels are probably her biggest magic. Her, her, right? She did some sort of magic this other episode because I made a magic the gathering joke. I just can't remember what magic she did in season four earlier with Giles. Uh, she, she did, oh, with Giles yeah. specifically. Yeah, she did some magic at Giles' house. I can't remember what it was for, but it was in an early episode this season, but it wasn't anything too crazy. I'm trying to uh, think my, on it. There's been so much magic, but Willow-Giles yeah. combo magic is really special. Can somebody who's listening rank all of Willow's spells to date from strongest to weakest? Yeah. Uh, oh, that'd be cool. We would really appreciate it. Buffy I mean, Virgin Nation, get on it. We need a listicle. We um, could tell... We could we could figure this out. We just uh, that, that magic spell was finding out that Kathy was the demon. I think. Oh right. I think. Oh, I think and they was... uh, they put Buffy's soul back in her mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yep. really similar to putting Angel's soul. So that's pretty. That's big. something she's really good at. She's really good at the soul magic. Yeah, she's really good at soul magic. It's interesting. I never made that connection before. <laughs> that's why I, mean, I podcast man. I don't think the writers made that connection either. I feel like that's uh, <laughs> hey, we need a plot thing to happen. Soul magic is also the name of a late BB King record. Not really. <laughs> Sounds like it. my friend Alina used to make uh, the vests for BB King. She worked at a, a dressmaker at the. They made custom made his vests. That's amazing. Yes, yeah. Mike Oz's plan. Oh yeah, so John already commented on this, but Oz's plan to lock himself in a cage with Faruka is stupid. <laughs> he needs to tell people what is going on, get more restraints. He knows absolutely what's going to happen, but then is pretending to not understand what's happening or like not know what he's setting up. And that was that was the most excruciating thing to watch. Cause like the tricking of yourself that what you're doing. But I guess like yeah. it's a good character it's like it's an, a super interesting character move but it was excruciating to watch I, mean, yeah, I think we'll get kind of more into that in themes about like what like what oz did this episode the just the moment uh which i feel like is you know kind of manipulative of the audience but i i i can't i can't it works really well which is where where oz is like sitting at his steering wheel of his van and he's trying to decide if he's going to actually go through with it and leave or if he's going to stay. And there's a moment where you really think he's going to go back in the house. And it clearly wants you to think that. And it, I, I've seen this, I don't know how many times and I know what the outcome is, but it still gets me. And it's still like, I teared up a little bit watching this, even like watching it multiple times to do this. That is yeah. intense and upsetting. And just, it just works. It just works really well. You're being manipulated by fiction. Yep. And I suppose, I suppose that's what I signed up for. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I was locking myself in the cage. And I'm like, I'm going to watch this, but I'm not going to get teary-eyed about it. Everything's going to be fine. And I'm going to press play anyway. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, uh, scene right before that, when uh, Buffy bumps into the SWAT team guys, and then they like, like have a mini confrontation and they grab their guns. Did anyone else like every time I think there needs to be like a wacky mix up where like Buffy grabs a real gun instead of the Trank gun. <laughs> I, I, like, I totally oh, thought yes. that had happened for like until, you know, until like the, the scene, you know, after it gets fired and like you see the results, I thought it had happened. 
Yeah, was it, it seems like such a like that's what the setup for that is, and then it doesn't happen. I never thought of that. That makes perfect sense now that you guys say it, but that never occurred to me. That would have been amazing. That would have been a way better end of the episode. <laughs> like if she just shoots us. <laughs> yeah, it would have been dark, yeah. dark ending. Dark. I mean, already this was like, uh, well, we can get into, yeah. But it would have been appropriate in a world where if you, you know, morally transgress in any way, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, no, there's no middle ground. You, you know? must be likable at all times or dead. Yeah. <laughs> or die immediately. Um, what do you think about Oz leaving the show? Hey, so what? I actually, I don't think it makes sense for Oz to leave the show. And I'm confused by why this has to happen. Um, I... I get like the why in this episode of like him kind of morally transgressing against Willow and like he's got a bunch of guilt and he tries to apologize, but like it's this inner werewolf nature he can't control from a normally understated person. But like it's weird to see someone not, you know, control themselves who's normally very good at it. But like I think it doesn't feel wrong. It just felt like, oh, and then you leave the show? Uh, Elizabeth just said robot chicken in the background. <laughs> that was a lot later. The but, Italian uh, job? I mean, no, the Italian I, job I is mean, Yeah, so like it just... I can't hardly sense. wait to see Oz again. Um, <laughs> He's got some I, idle hands. I will say, so, so, so it's true that... So I looked at some research into this. It turned, it's true that what happened was that Seth Green left the show for movies. He left the show to do movies. Um... Although that makes sense, so, why can't he say that? I'm going to pursue my acting career. I'll be in Los Angeles. So can't hardly wait. Was was two years earlier than this. Ah. The movies that came out immediately after this are not the standout movies in his career. So for whatever that's worth, it doesn't seem to have worked. Like, uh, does anybody remember the Attic Expeditions? I have never <laughs> seen it. I don't know. Or America's I, Sweethearts. I remember the I poster for the one where he's in a canoe with Matthew Lillard, and they're like the same height. Uh, he uh he was in and this is a classic he was in josie and the pussycats uh, yeah Uh, although that's actually an uncredited role so i don't know if that did much he's a backdoor lover (laughs) he was in austin powers yes Uh, austin powers yeah but that's again that but that's two years later after this episode that's two years after this episode i mean austin powers filmed in what england i mean you you gotta get to these set locations yeah i mean i yeah because he's a vampire well first i mean what i was gonna say is hey you know you ever want you ever curious about an episode like hey how do we assassinate a character who's been around for two seasons what's the what's what's an example of an episode that just completely assassinates the character of a good person oh yes wild at heart I mean, talk about it making no sense why he's such a terrible guy in this episode. The, the plan, though, so uh, there's an interview with Joss Whedon that you can find where the, the plan for the character was that they were going to, they was always something along these lines, though. Like, they weren't going to write him off the show, but the plan was to extend the uh, Willow-Veruca-Oz love triangle a lot further and have that be an ongoing thing. Oh, I, you know... I'm sad Oz is leaving, but I, I think two episodes is about all I can handle of Veruca's acting. Yeah, I agree. I do not love Veruca for very long. <laughs> on the you scrapped the plan, you think? <laughs> Even no, I'm not defending that. <laughs> her acting didn't bother me. Like, that wasn't... I mean, I, I could see it totally dragging on longer and, like, having, like, a more 
meaningful like lead up to this. This felt like so spontaneous. And the the takeaway message for this for me is like people are fucking impulsive. And yeah. that that did not felt feel like unreal. Like I think people are impulsive, but it's just like, oh shit, you gotta follow those hormones when you know that fucking thing happens. You gotta follow it. And like it just felt so out of character for Oz to do that. And I, you know, I know they kind of led up to it a little bit and you guys called it out. You're like, Hey, Willow and Oz are sharing. I'm not sorry. Oz and Veruca are sharing a moment, you know, when they passed each other. And it's like, and I think I predicted or whatever said that like, Oh, that's a werewolf thing. It's gotta be. Cause there's no other reason why only he would get it. And I'm glad to be right about that. Of course. I hope that gets counted for, you know, whatever forward. But like, uh, you predicted she'd be wearing a yellow hat at the time. So, <laughs> so it's no points. But like, you know, Xander's character is like so much more out in front about the type of person he is. And like Oz is a private weirdo. And then for him to blow up in this, blow up, blow up. For him to have like these emotional needs and for them to come out in this way was kind of a surprise. Or the sexual needs come out in this way. Uh, especially for someone who is like, when Willow wanted to have sex was like, uh, actually let's slow it down a little bit if you don't mind. You know, I want to make sure it's the right time. <laughs> I'm not a werewolf right now. <laughs> That's when it's the right time. <laughs> Uh, are you talking about it back in season uh back in the beginning in season yeah. three season three yeah. yeah yeah i mean i guess you could say this is the first time he's like uh he's had the werewolf um maturity but you know he's re- he's 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 had some sort of werewolf relationship so you could say well maybe this would be like if you had your first you know human relationship and you acted irresponsibly or irrationally like how willow and xander acted back in uh back in season three um, but, uh, but yeah, but it's and I not the same. But it's not the same, really, because you know, it, I mean, I'm just trying to come up with an excuse for why all of a sudden would he go, you know, absolutely bonkers in this episode. It feels well, like, well it's supernatural reasons, right? Like you know, which it's like supernatural sexual urges, urges, right? Right. Yeah, which I think is something we can get into in the themes a little bit. Like to me, it's like, can will like, you're like, can Oz really be blamed for his like? werewolf desires right but then you're like but if the werewolf thing is a metaphor then he absolutely can right um so it's just interesting because like where the state of supernatural is on this show is changing this season right like because buffy is like having relationships with actual humans so like when they're terrible they're just terrible right um and we're starting to lose some of that like direct one-on-one-to-one like metaphor relationship thing um so then where does it go with something like this where you kind of want like you kind of want to not blame oz because it's like ah he like he had dog emotions at the time can you really do that and i think that gets to also like willow's really upset about his attraction to veruca and like i understand her being upset by that and also obviously upset by like them having like werewolf sex but like I don't think it's fair to like blame somebody in a long-term relationship for like having attractions to other people. Like that's stuff right. that happens when you're in a long-term relationship, right? Those actions can all make sense. I'm not like saying the show is wrong. It's just like, the, it's like an unusual interpretation of a character for the show that likes to drag out these kinds of things. Like Angel and Buck yeah, totally. back and forth over how much fucking time? And then you're like, oh, maybe Willow and Oz will be back and forth. And he's like, I'm fucking out of here. I'm advancing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's off the show forever. Holy shit. Like, I guess that was shocking to me. It was like, they could be back and forth on this and figure it out. It'll be maybe a more interesting characterization. Nope, clean slate. He's gone. Yeah. 
Well, we're, I'm just thankful the angel never bought a van because that could have been angel's <laughs> response. <laughs> so thank God I didn't have a van. Because when you have a van, you think you can go on the road and just go anywhere. But you've, you've seen Angel when he was uh, scoping out uh, extra young Buffy. He, he has a he van. Wasn't a van. Metaphorical. Who's that? Who's that? Who's he that had a greased-up, that... greased-up car. Who is? Who is that guy that Mike thought was going to be such a big, important person? Whistler. Whistler. Whistler, Whistler was driving that van, man. Uh, oh my god! I can't wait for Whistler to come back. Uh, I mean, we haven't talked about Angel very much because we're gonna. But I mean, I think Doyle is kind of the Whistler character, right? Oh, is that the intent? In the sense that that Whistler, if you remember. Well, so Whistler's, Whistler's East Coast, Doyle's West Coast. I get it. <laughs> All right, we're, we're getting off the beaten, track, beaten path. Coast to coast with the powers that be. <laughs> oh, man, I wanted so much to talk about the powers that be. But anyway, that's another thing. Uh, why don't we move on to questions for the group? Unless, Mike, you got like one more statement. Which is, yeah. No, I have angel-related questions now. But that only because <laughs> you diverged me. Save them up until they burst forth. <laughs> Uh, so, Mike, I think we kind of covered this, but I wanted to ask you how surprised you were about Spike, but I also wanted to ask you how surprised you were about uh, Oz and Veruca. I think we've kind of covered both, but how surprised were you by this episode? So I was less surprised about Oz and Veruca happening because they were hinting so strongly that something was going to happen before this. I was surprised what a fucking mess Veruca was. That was crazy. Where she's like, I'm a werewolf. I'm fucking in touch with my inner nature, and you should just do that too. And like, just I was like, murdering people. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, murder How people. How many people do you think Veruca's murdered <laughs> that like, like Buffy just hasn't tracked? Get or, in touch I with your nature. Like, just murder people on the reg. <laughs> like, maybe she wasn't a Sunnydale student, obviously, so she's like a freshman also. Like, her hometown is just filled with like slaughtered people. But, like, <laughs> I, I would wipe that half my school. If I had my druthers, I would have like a, a crossover um, episode with a show like Criminal Minds um, or NCIS where they're tracking a serial killer. They're like, the case goes cold. Yeah, it's, or cold case files, you know, well, that's like a real life show. But I would love a show where it's like they're tracking and then it's like all of a sudden the, the case goes cold for the last 10, 20 minutes. And then they just go back to their lives. Like no explanation. Like a, like a fake X-Files type crossover. I wish. <laughs> <clears throat> Where it's like all, yeah. Okay. I'm Anybody can write fan fiction, Travis. Oh. Yeah. What are you waiting for? <laughs> My typewriter. <laughs> so uh, that one that would have to be custom built for you from Ohio. Anyway. That's uh, the only way to write fan fiction is on the clickety clacks of a typewriter. Uh, Mike, you got a out. question? Yeah, sure. So Oz is totally hypnotized by Veruca and her music. Have you ever felt hypnotized like Oz feels? Or is that just a supernatural thing? I feel like I must have been hypnotized at some point by the beauty and entrancing nature of a beautiful woman. Not that I can recall, but (laughs) I've walked into trees before, so I had to have not been paying attention while walking at some point. I was pretty pretty enchanted (laughs) when I saw... Uh, the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good flick. Well, there was a lot of buildup. So if you remember in the year 2000, I think it came out, was it 2000 or 2001? 
I think 2000. I think it's 99, 2000, really. It came out in 2000, and then 2001, I think it was up for Best Picture. Or, or I think that was the award. That was, that was how, the 2001, anyways. But it was like, it was, a, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty big name movie at the time. And it was shot very differently from a lot of other movies. So um, it was shot very beautifully. And I was like, you know, very, the action was very flowing and very, it was quite magical to watch that, so... Uh, no, it's just a fun reference. It's been so long since I even thought about Crafting Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And then for you to have such like, oh, that's hypnotic. That has yeah, done no, that. No one, yeah, no, I was no, thinking no. about like, well, when was the first time I fell in love? And you're like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> well, it's, it can well, be I a mean, I thing. this was a, like, like a love at first sight kind of. <laughs> this thing, this Crouching Tiger is on a 40-foot screen in front of you. If you fell in love with the 50-foot tall woman, then I'd be like, all right, you got one, we got one up on the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's the sensory overload so i haven't i haven't experienced that in any other movies since then where i was watching something but like wow this is really insane what i'm watching how can this be you know this cinematography or these things or the special effects or anything like that oh i mean falling in love with a movie where you're just like overwhelmed with how amazing it is definitely had that feeling yeah that's first what I'm first, first time i watched fight club in theaters i was fucking yeah. hypnotized entranced it's just yeah. like such an intense emotional connection to like yeah. the transgressive characters and stuff. It was like, fuck yeah. That's this isn't exactly the same thing, but uh, when I, the first time I saw Jurassic World in theaters, when the T-Rex and the Raptor team up, I couldn't control myself in the theater and was like, fuck yes! I was like <laughs> so pumped about dinosaurs teaming up. Like, oh, it's uh, not a good movie. <laughs> shut the fuck up, John. <laughs> God, let him have this. Let him have this. I mean, you, you can like it. It's fine, but dude. <laughs> I know. It's not the same thing. It's not, you know, I'm not saying that movie's perfect or anything, but it has dinosaurs teaming up. Um, like, no, there are, like, there's points where people complain about, like, you know, there's, like, that shot where Bryce Dallas Howard is running and it goes to, like, a close-up of her feet or whatever, and I'm like, I don't remember that scene. I remember the scene where there's a T-Rex feet in the scene. Is that what you're talking about? Like... <laughs> I don't notice humans when there's dinosaurs on screen. <laughs> I would say that the latest, the latest um, Kong movie, Kong Skull Island, actually, actually was pretty breathtaking when we saw it in, in theaters. I, I was, I'm glad you guys dragged me to that. Good, um, good. There were some really amazing moments that I hadn't felt in a long time. That I, was, I was really blown away by the Kong Skull Island. That was a great movie, too. But uh, there's, there's some of the cinematography and special effects on that were, were, really, were really pretty amazing. I was going to say in general, this was meant to be about women, and so I should have uh, uh, <laughs> emphasized that. But like, I totally have pictures in my mind of not women I've dated, but just women I've seen that I felt like hypnotized by, which is a really crazy thing, which is just yeah. like, you've got a couple pictures in your mind of peop people I don't even know, just like situations that were so sexually enticing or hypnotic that you're like, that, that's in my mind forever. And I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I mean, I know what it's about, yeah. but it's just like, I, well, it's just, yeah. I got a couple of those, unfortunately. Definitely. I have a, a memory of getting lost in a Renaissance fair because I was so distracted by cleavage and I was like 12. And then suddenly like nobody I knew was around. And I was like, I don't know how much time it passed. <laughs> At the Ren Fair. That's a good time a for it. That's, the Ren fair. it's the only time it's safe for it to come out. You need context for cleavage. It can't just be there. <laughs> This got oh, real Cleveland. creepy. We are content real creepy. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't think it's real creepy. 
Uh, I think maybe John's next question, when you combine it with this, is creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get there. Like mental psychosexual imprints in your brain of, of, of attractive women you've seen. I'm just talking some smack about some Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon movie, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm like the PG version of this podcast all on my own. <laughs> um, I would I would say you know I, this this next question I, for is kind of crazy I guess um, should Willow be upset with Oz okay hypothetically this is kind of a hypothetical question w- should Willow be upset with Oz if Veruca if Veruca dies but Oz decides to stay like she should be upset with him for cheating on her but you have to take into account that Veruca was was Willow's sexual rival okay and ends up being dead, you know, how, how, you know, could you forgive someone if your sexual rival uh, was killed? And so you're not worried that the person would go back to them. You know, I mean, that, obviously this is insane situation. But I was sort of like, well, it's not like the temptation for Oz would, st- would ever still be for Veruca. I mean, that's gone. But until some... Uh, until a new Veruca shows up. Yeah. Right, so there's the... There's or just the some sexy wolf. Yeah, just just some sexy woman in a wolf costume on Halloween. He just loses it. Do you think Werewolf Oz is a, like while he's in werewolf form is attracted to other wolves, like non werewolves? Just if she sprays herself with wolf urine for for the costume, I'd say there's a ch- there's a shot that that it could get really confusing really fast. I mean, what about hyenas? Do you think there's some residual Xander attraction? Oh, if only if only if Xander was in hyena form. Yeah. But not, but not just walking around. All I human. think to answer your actual question, Travis, if it's me, if my significant other murdered anyone, regardless of motive, I feel like that would create major issues in the relationship. But this is a world where they're all multiple murderers of yeah. like different creatures, right? And vampires was, and monsters. True. And this person was a murderer themselves. Like they were bringing havoc and death upon the world. True. Um, the world I is safe. I feel like it would be something you'd work through. You'd work through it, but I'm saying, you know, it's not, a, it's not an ender, not a relationship ender at that point. If you didn't want it to be a relationship ender. Who, gets, who, gets, who kills Veruca? Is it Buffy kills Veruca? Oz. Oz, Oz, Oz kills Veruca. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's hard to make this a real world situation, which is like, let's say you're in a relationship and you cheat on your partner with someone and right. then, then you kill that person to save your it's weirder than that though it's like it's like it's, it's really like weird. my it's like okay it's like i'm trying to put this i'm talking about myself i'm willow so what would have to happen is be like my girlfriend is really attracted to this serial killer and i feel jealous that she wants to sleep with the serial killer but instead of sleep with him she murders him <laughs> saving all the people that the serial killer would have murdered in the future but she also, also sleeps with them also, yes, and also sleeps with him. Uh, I feel like I, that might not be a healthy relationship for me to stay in at that point. Yeah. Well, you also <laughs> got to figure, if you are attracted to a serial killer, like, murder is, like, what that attraction is, right? So, like, she's yeah. still satisfying herself. This theoretical girlfriend of yours. Yeah. Still satisfying uh, yourself by murdering the serial killer. Right? I feel like, yeah, putting it in those terms, I feel like maybe that's not a serial relationship. Serial killer's wrong. It's but an animal. It's an <laughs> animal. Yeah. <laughs> An animal or a cannibal? What did you say? Animal. Ah. Oz is an animal. Oh my god! I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird. It's a weird analogy, but it's something I was thinking about because you know, in theory, 
there's no there's no more there's no more bruca. So the question is, how much? I mean, the real question is, how much do you think you can patch up a relationship? That that's the bottom line. Is I can patch this much up of a relationship. I, I don't know. I mean, my, my I gut probably couldn't. Pa- I, I probably couldn't patch this up, for instance. My gut level, res- my gut level response is that it's probably best for everybody once there's a murder that everybody should walk away. Find new significant others at that point. Everybody right. who has committed a murder should find new significant others at that point. Oh, so you're saying Angel and Buffy shouldn't have gotten back together? I am definitely saying that. This is just such a, a world why, of so much murder. Buffy, and then why is the angel show called Angel? All right. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And they're not, no one, neither of the shows is called Angel Murder Jenny Calendar. <laughs> or why did Angel Murder Jenny this Calendar? Is the, biggest, the, angel, biggest, the biggest crime is not the Jenny Calendar. The murderer of Jenny Calendar. It's not that Jenny Calendar got murdered. I mean, that's bad news. The biggest crime is that Giles doesn't have the self-respect for Jenny Calendar, the respect for Jenny Calendar to move out of the freaking apartment that he found her murdered <laughs> body in. That's, that's a really the, that's, nice place, though, Travis. That's the that's a larger, that's a bigger crime. Both it's of them. A, crimes. I've never seen a house as nice as that one. It's a I nice think, house. I think it's an apartment. Never seen. <laughs> it's a, it's I like how apartment. shitty Philly must be that you've never even seen a house as I nice as the one, except on television. I literally watch TV for the real estate guys. There's nothing like that in <laughs> Philly. Watching Philly. Hunters, man. He's watching freaking fucking angel. He's got like a veranda. It's got like the green paint is really nice. He's got the, like the nice archways and he's got good furniture. His apartment is insane, right? There's a walkway down. It is a private patio you walk down to yeah uh, it's super chill oh, i love it but it's an apartment i saw that patio was shared that's what i assume oh, yeah, it's part, uh, like nice lots of apartments share features that are super nice that you can get to yourself like the rooftop is usually a share oh yeah if that's shared he should move out but yeah <laughs> I mean, he, should, he, should, he should have moved into the abandoned mansion that would be what i would have done <laughs> abandoned mansion for seasons four through whatever man because that would have been awesome. That would have been free. Manacles come with the place. Yeah, he finally would have had some proper friggin' manacles. We would have solved some issues early on in this season. <laughs> um. Ropes don't do shit. Uh, John, John, why don't we bump this creepiness up to the next level? I, okay, I want to preface this by saying, now that everyone has pointed out this question is creepy, that I, the answer for me is no. Um, my question is, have you ever been tempted to take some form of revenge on an ex so the thing with willow that is like weird is that like she's not casting a spell on veruca she's casting a spell on oz she wants to cast a spell that will keep him from ever loving again right and then at the last minute she realizes that she cares about him and she doesn't do it um but that moment and i feel like whenever i've had a breakup that is not my emotional response is not to be like fuck well fuck her she's awful um and that people sometimes dudes who want to buy me drinks after I'm like post breakup, like they want, they want me to do that. They want me to be like, ah, we'll talk shit on your ex. And I never want to do that after I broke it up. Do you guys have that angry response to being broken up with? Do you guys have that? Um, I have maybe had it before in the past. I mean, let me ask you this. Have you ever been like broken up? Like has a breakup ever happened because of cheating? No, not really. Cause I think there's a lot of random anger that comes into that. Probably uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It never triggered that that emotion in me either, John. So yeah, I, I don't have that weird revenge. 
or I don't have the revenge trigger button. Whatever. I'm suddenly realizing this is a humble brag on my part. And I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> Dennis may be a monster, you know, sometimes if you've broken up with him. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know you're not a bad guy. Uh, you know, I was younger and more angry at different points in my life. Um, sure. I don't think it's bad to be angry at an ex. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I guess, but like some people do have the like, the well, nowadays, where, especially where they want, they, they want revenge or they want to do something. I've certainly had friends who like when they're post breakup have that impulse of like, I want to, I want to get them back. I feel like I've felt way. angrier at other people's situation. Like I'm like your friend probably that's like, I'm, I'm angrier than you are about you getting broken up with. Right. And I don't know why that is. It's like, I want things to stay the same. I thought things were cool. What? You guys aren't good at partners for whatever reason? Well, that feels like the, that feels like the role. It feels like the role as the male friend to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm here to pick him up. Because when I've personally been broken up with, it's always like, oh, I guess, yeah, I guess I get it. You know, yeah, like, exactly. I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, like, I'm upset. I don't like me either. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, it's like this cataclysm. i you dated me this long. Exactly. Totally. I'm like, well, I, yeah, I'm shocked that we were together even at all. So that was a great two weeks, you know. That's two weeks of my life. <laughs> totally, totally. That was, that was a fun period of time. And then, Wait, like. I have to be in Mexico for another two months? Oh. <laughs> oh, Travis. That's great. It's great. Great heartbreak. Heartbreak's great for you, folks. <laughs> I'd never let him tell you otherwise. Yeah, I get angry with other. I get angry at someone else's situation. That's, but also been my experience as an adult where I'm in a committed relationship for like a long time now. So, I mean, like we, I, I hear about and see more breakups. I feel the uh, effects of more breakups than I'm personally experiencing, and so definitely like those all, they make me angry. But also like, you know, you kind of respond to the energy people give you, and if you're like, oh, and this yeah. terrible thing happened, like. Oh, what, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it totally makes you angry when you hear what people are up to because people are shit bags a lot of the time. And then when you hear, and when, and, and when someone finally breaks up, it's like the stories about them the whole time, like this whole new version of reality gets presented. You know, the narrative isn't like, oh, and things are great and we love each other. It's like, oh, and this time I was suspicious and this was happening and this thing. And you're like, oh, what the fuck? And so they're revealing this story to you the first time. Like, you don't necessarily see the episodes where these things are happening. And so it's like the total narrative shift happens. And it's like, oh, fuck it. We should kill that guy. You know, not really. But, you know, you're like super angry when that narrative shift happens. Um, whereas the person telling the story has had so much time to like think about how they want to present it. And even then, like, they're maybe not trying to get you angry. They're just like telling the story. And they want you to understand why the person's not around or whatever. But yep all right uh do you guys think veruca is like she didn't seem surprised by willow being a witch like i just wonder what level of like awareness of the supernatural world a character like veruca has like does she know about other monsters did anybody wonder about that that's a great hypothetical because it, it's weird because yeah because the, the main characters have such an expansive knowledge of all the supernatural because of giles because of the books because of all their experiences you know fighting giant sneak demons but like if you were just like a werewolf i mean yeah. you probably would buy into some other common myths like i bet you would buy into like if you woke up and you realized you were a freaking werewolf you would probably buy into some other myths like vampires but would you buy into the whole multiple demon dimensions um, demon blood, you know, all kinds of stuff that goes on in the Buffyverse. Like, I don't know. 
Yeah. Like That's when she said, she said something about like, I just feel bad for other people for not being werewolves. Like that's not her exact quote or anything. Yeah. Like, that made me think like, Oh, you don't know about how cool it would be to be like a different type of demon. That would, yeah. Like, yeah. Or half demon or, yeah. um, <laughs> exactly. I, I think her knowledge that base seemed pretty low, but also cause be, almost a little bit because they didn't present her character as, as, um, anything other than someone who's like kind of wild and sexy like she didn't seem to come off like there wasn't any intellectual talking points outside of the weird guitar talk so i mean it wasn't like she really got feels yeah then we never got a chance to know her her, the extent of her knowledge but she never came came across as someone who who was like ear was to the ground when it came to supernatural stuff you know what i'm saying or books even i don't think she's much of a book reader because we know there's just a ton of supernatural books that are out in Sunnydale. I mean, she could have <laughs> yeah. hands on some books, but right guys can just randomly nightmare. pick them up from the streets. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> there's <laughs> no there's no way she can't be aware of other stuff. There's just no way, not in this town, not to the extent of the other characters. No. Yeah, well, I I could imagine though, like if she she has memories of being a werewolf and stuff that like she moves to Sunnydale, is like out roaming free, and then she's like. I fought a bunch of vampires last night. That was weird. Like, I guess vampires are real. I, I right. feel like Baruka specifically has a history that we don't know about. Yeah. Maybe there's... Uh, werewolves out there. She's just not one of them. How, how old do we think she is? I think she's about the same age, right? Yeah. And she, she, didn't, she didn't go to Sunnydale University? She, I think she goes to the university she's eating on the college campus, right? Yeah. It's not like those hamburgers are like, or man. I don't know. They looked big, but. Yeah, who's paying for her meal plan? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, it, it does seem like if, she, if I thought she was just like in a band, she, I thought she was just a tanny. And if you're just a tanny, sure, you can go missing. We all know that folks can go missing from the town. <laughs> and nobody's asking questions. But if you're like a student who has like a paper trail, Sure, those kids go missing, but they needed like notes of notes that they had committed suicide, right? Well, the, the paper trail is what means that people don't care that they're missing, as we learned that. Well, no, but they they made it they made an excuse for why they yeah. were missing. Xander still has access to that abandoned building, or that that former vamp building. So he probably has like just a ton of notes that they've written. Couldn't take it. Oh God, I would love like a whole montage of him like like assembling like this, um, like a notebook of all the people who've been murdered by that vampire cult. And just like really, just like really sad and really just like working through those issues, like alone. Like he's making this little scrapbook of like all the people who've died and he's just, and it really gives him pause. I think that'd be great if it really just gave him pause to be like, man, I am not a superhero. I can be weak and killed easily. Here are the, here are like the 30 lost souls yeah, these are a lot of Van Goghs, and each Van Gogh is a dead body. <laughs> and it's like I don't know. That would give him, that would give a character more gravitas. Uh, that'd be I would be that would have been great if like they had they'd really kind of matured him that way. I, but whatever, whatever tries. <laughs> uh, why don't we do recommendations? Recommendations. I'm super excited to recommend this next movie. Not that it has anything to do with this episode, but it shares the same title. Wild at Heart. Uh, David Ugh. Lynch movie. Amazing. I love it. Not everyone on this podcast seems to love it. 
No, it's uh, great. It's a great movie. It's just, uh, yeah, the title. I get it. Yeah. That's the only connection, really. But, I mean, it's, like, such a, like, peak Lynch strangeness and humor. And, like, it's probably Nick Cage, one of Nick Cage's, like, three best movies. Um, you know, you got to give Nick Cage an occasional good movie. He gets a good one every couple decades. And this this was one of them. Um, and it's got a ton of, like, just like uh, great weird scenes um, and it stars a bunch of Twin Peaks alum uh, and speaking of Twin Peaks alum I'm going to also recommend this movie Meridian where Sherilyn Fenn has sex with a werewolf and that's the only reason I'm recommending this movie because otherwise it's terrible but that werewolf sex scene's pretty great uh, uh, so let's see uh, other werewolf sex scenes are in movies like Trick or Treat uh, has a pretty good, not as good as Meridian. Um, and I think, have I already recommended Bram Stoker's Dracula at some point? I'm sure. That movie's so great. And that has a good werewolf sex scene. So it's hard. this Can is you... obviously the theme. Can we recommend Grindhouse because it has a trailer for Werewolf Women of the SS? Oh, yeah, good a, call. a fake movie, a never made movie. That never got made by Rob Zombie. Oh, yeah, yeah, Rob Zombie. Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, I'll <laughs> recommend Werewolf Women of the SS. Because this is the end of Werewolves for the show, right? Basically. I mean, you don't have to Mayhaps. say it. Or I... is it? Okay, it's the end. I feel like we need a prediction on this. Yeah. Oh, all right. I'll be right on that. Okay. Uh, have I recommended um, Cat People before? I don't remember. I think you may have, but I'm not sure. I didn't see it in the letterbox. It, um, but I don't know if the letterbox has been updated recently. Don't do that. Uh, no, it hasn't. I'm guilty of not updating Letterboxd. But it had so few views, and I was like, I don't think people are going to this website. Yeah. But I got to recommend Cat People, even though it's about a cat person and not a werewolf. Um, so, and that's, I'm recommending both versions, but I really like the remake with Natasha Kinski. Um, but both are really good. All right, so that, that's the Ricks. Unless anyone else has any. Uh, ginger snaps I've, again. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, ginger snaps is always good when we're talking werewolves. Well, I guess like I guess question for you about mainstream werewolf movies. Like, what about I, the ones I think of from the '80s? Is The Howling, which I haven't seen, mm-hmm. but I no, just the Howling's really good. It is okay. We could recommend that if it hasn't been recommended before. It might not have been. Yeah, let's recommend The Howling. Really good. Are there any other besides Underworld, uh, like? mainstream werewolfy things that are good that have happened in the past 20 years because i feel like all your recommendations are quite old american werewolf in london i don't know if that's that's less than that's that's a lot more than 20 years old there's one that i recommended i think when we had oz's first appearance as a werewolf i recommended the blood and chocolate Mm -hmm. werewolf movie which is from 2004 2006 yeah it was enjoyable uh i recommend uh bubba the redneck werewolf um which isn't mainstream, but it was a movie that came out a couple of years ago uh, based on a comic. It's really funny. A uh, guy makes a deal with the devil for to be more masculine and becomes a werewolf. Um, it's really silly. Yeah, I feel like a lot come out that are like small and don't really do anything, but I don't think like, like I'm not going to recommend the Twilight movies, obviously. I don't think like obviously mainstream cinema is like, been on a werewolf kick in a long time there was, do you remember uh cursed with christina ricci and jesse eisenberg no is that a werewolf movie 
Yeah, it was, uh, I think Wes Craven directed it. And the weird thing about that movie, I guess, is that it was like 80% reshot. And so there's like a whole new plot added that I don't know what the original plot was. Um, but it also has, it's not a great movie or anything, but it has one of the funniest like werewolf gifts, which is like when it finally reveals who like one of the werewolves is. They like in werewolf form are like, eh, giving you the finger. Have you seen this? Uh, there's a movie called Beast that's out in theaters that uh, looks like it might be a werewolf movie, but I can't tell. It looks like it might be like just based on the font. It looks like a werewolf movie, but oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's like, and the title Beast, but it's not clear that it is. Anyway, that's probably where werewolves are now in like these amorphous, ambiguous films. I like yeah. the way that like werewolves are handled. I think werewolves are handled pretty well in True Blood. Because they're like a biker, which is a kind of, oh, I mean, yeah. not an original take, but that's also kind of, but it works. Yeah, I like and, biker games. Kings. And I um, also like the way they're handled in uh, What We Do in Shadows. That's, that, that works. As a oh, that is really good. Yeah. yeah. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah. <laughs> Virgin Predictions. So, Mike, uh, you are at a 61.7%. Great. Uh, yeah, we're, we, we, we still haven't gotten you into F territory, but uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens today. Um, all right. We actually have quite a bit to talk about. So, uh, in Season 2, Episode 15, you predicted that, you, that Oz is going to save Willow as a werewolf. I feel like that is definitely confirmed. Took a little longer than I think most of us thought, but uh, yeah. confirmed. Okay. Uh, in season three, episode eight, uh, going along with that, you predicted that Oz's powers... Oh, no, actually, I'm sorry. This one's a little bit iffy. You predicted that Oz's power of smell will come in handy again. So we overtly see Oz smelling, but it actually leads him off the track. He goes and smells... Uh, Veruca's clothes from the sex night but doesn't actually track her down then they have to go catch her now we don't know when they actually do catch her if it was if he was still following the scent if that's what led him to the right place or if it was because he knew Willow would be in the lab because he knows Willow I feel like it could go either way uh, Dennis Travis what do you guys think do you think Oz's power of smell came in handy it definitely let him off the track at one point yeah. <laughs> do you feel like it, it came in handy this episode or not um, that's, you know, I hadn't, I would need to maybe rewatch exactly what he does. Cause he definitely realizes like, I should be tracking Willow. So there's of, a moment, yeah, there's a moment where he smells, he's, and he's like, and he, he says, oh, we're going to follow, uh, Veruca. And then they're like, they're like, oh, she, you know, she must've thrown you off the set on purpose. Or maybe we would just, this is just from our sex night. And then he's like, ah, but Willow, we should be after Willow. Yeah. And it does, it's not clear if it's, he's following her scent or not. It, or if he just knows that Willow would be in the lab. Hmm. I don't think he would know she'd be in the lab because she was up to some shenanigans. Like it wasn't like she was reading a book or. True. You know. True. Maybe she beeped him like, "I'm gonna curse you in this lab at three o'clock." Nine one one. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be handy. I would say the I intent. Mean, the intent is that it's a superpower. Sure. I mean, and also like arguably like he used it to track her even though it didn't work out mm -hmm. you could argue that's still handy like it was still 
at hand. It was still something he used. All right. What do you Hasn't think? this already been confirmed, think? though? I don't think no. so. I, I've been no, watching yes, this one. It was confirmed it, in the episode, season three, episode six or seven, where he found the... Uh, he found the warehouse they were in. Well, right, but this this yeah. prediction is from episode eight, and it's is his powers oh. of smell will come in handy again. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, again. Oh yeah, yeah. It, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm willing to give it because I do think that's what we're supposed to how we're supposed to assume that they find. Okay. Willow. Willow. Yeah. All right. We're gonna give that to Mike. Possibly iffy. We might hear from uh, the fans on this one, but we'll see. Okay. Season three, episode 12. This one I thought was interesting. Mike predicted Oz will betray Buffy. I'm not, I'm an, I'm not entirely sure that uh, I just wrote it down wrong. It might have been Oz will betray Willow and I just wrote it down wrong. Or Mike might have said it wrong. I'm not really sure. But for some reason, season three, episode 12, we have Oz will betray Buffy. I think he probably meant Buffy. Mike's kind of weird with his predictions. Did Oz, did Oz betray Buffy? Well, like the Buffy, if Buffy is the leader of the group, then like Oz betraying the group. Yes. Right. Yeah, you'd have to. Uh, I'd say the moment where he's like, where Buffy comes in and is welding, and Oz is welding the cage again, and he doesn't tell her about Veruca is True. a betrayal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah. I, mean, that. I mean, I mean, I, he, there's he, an he, argument to be made by betraying Willow by proxy, he's betraying Buffy. Yeah. They are roommates. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll go ahead and give that to him, it sounds like. Wow. All right, great. Okay. Okay, season three, episode 13, Oz will kill again. He's <laughs> killing another werewolf count. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. Oz will kill again. Okay. Who does he kill before? Uh, uh, he kills the zombie. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. The zombie that's going to kill uh, Xander or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Just uh, get back his turn, Harris. In the season three recap episode, Mike predicted that Oz and Willow will break up in season four. That is also that's a pretty that's a particularly good one because again, even Joss Whedon didn't predict that. That was something that happened as a result of uh, Seth Green leaving the show. So I feel like that one's in, incredibly pr- uh, sort of prescient. And that is also it's nothing but confirmations this time around. Thank Damn. God! What a great yeah. This is leaving. Great. Leaving you, Mike, with uh, an average of 63.1. So you actually, after the rounding's wow. all done, you went up two percentage points. Pretty good. Congratulations. That just tells you how many outstanding predictions there are. Since uh, there's been almost 100 episodes of this show, and I have make too many predictions every episode. In fairness, outstanding predictions don't factor into your, your accuracy. Your accuracy is um, the uh, confirmations... Uh, Compared to denials, it's not. Oh, uh, oh, well, then not, that's... it doesn't have anything to do with with. Uh, we, yeah, open predictions don't count towards your your accuracy. The way I wrote the formula. But the more so. predictions I get, the 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 less the value of those predictions. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, it's 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 a reflection of just how many we have on the books. So there are, um, let's see, eighty four confirmed predictions and forty nine denied predictions so far, and hundred and eight outstanding. Wow, I thought too much <laughs> about this show. <laughs> All right. So oh, yeah, uh, no, sorry. That's a total of 241 predictions total. Well, I've got four more predictions. Very good. Uh, Oz will return is a prediction. And I know that he's not going to... Okay, so this is 
the prediction is Oz will return. That's a prediction by itself. Yeah. Okay. But I, it's not going to be on the show. It's going to be in the comic book or video game or some other format or like a novel. But like, it's not, he, this is what's frustrating. It's like, I know he can't return because we just learned for contract reasons. Uh, he's off or whatever. And they killed off his character. Um, I also think Oz will return and save Willow again. Again, not on the show. Is that worth making a prediction about? Well, well hold on, hold on. They didn't kill his character off. Okay. Yeah, you just said it, it, the contract reasons. He he didn't want to be a series regular, but don't. I'm not saying you shouldn't say. Damn it! You just told me. All right, Oz will return. But you're making period. some wild assumptions here. Like I just want to make sure. I like, assumed he was gone forever because of the contract ending. I had it. I had this prediction set up before. And then the contract ending made me think that it was forever. Oh, fuck. I'm not trying to tell you the right answer, but I'm just trying to say it. No, no, you told me enough. That's cool. I'll go sign my name in the other room. I get it. Yeah, Almost had you, Polly. Damn it. Okay, Oz will return. Oz will return and save Willow again in a platonic way. There will be no more non-Oz werewolves on the show. Define show. <laughs> Buffy. No more non-Oz werewolves on Buffy. Okay. Trev. Angel has werewolves. There will be angel werewolves. Or angel season two is just full of werewolves. Is that what you think, Mike? Is that what I'm leading you to believe? You're leading to believe something like that. The big bad in Angel season two is all werewolves. It's an all werewolf army. I, all right, sorry. I, I want to try to make sure I got this right. Oz will return. It's a That's a prediction. No, there has to be wolves on fucking Angel because the bad guy's name is Wolfram and Hart. So the fucking wolf attorneys, <laughs> duh. Werewolf okay. attorneys. Okay, hold on a second. I'll make sure I got this right. Okay. okay. Oz will return. Yes. That's a prediction. Yes. No more non-Oz werewolves on Buffy. Yes, we're done with werewolves as a category. Werewolf attorneys will appear on Angel. Yes, werewolf attorneys will appear on Angel. Excellent. And uh, what else do you have? Uh, okay, uh, this is more more me. Willow in a platonic way. Yeah. Oh yes, thank you. I'm annoyed by I. I actually don't think it's a true prediction, but the SWAT team, mysterious SWAT team, will never reveal itself. Is a prediction I want to make because I'm so annoyed they won't. Of course, it'll reveal itself. I'm just annoyed by the fact that this is taking so long. Uh, I wish I'd made a prediction about how long it would take for this SWAT team to reveal itself, or whatever this mysterious characters are. That's it. But I don't know what that prediction is. You, you, you're, what, so what are you There's not He's an actual prediction. He's just, just a complaint. Okay. I'm just okay. annoyed because I, the show keeps wanting me to think about this, character, this group that tased Spike and kidnaps random people or whatever they're doing and it's like running around campus. So we're not predicting anything about the guys in camouflage yet. I mean, it can't be much longer, but honestly, I can't. every character has brought it up separately that it's a problem. Uh, when is something going to happen? I don't know because it should have happened already. And this is this is bad writing on their part to keep bringing it up. Except it has to be the f- fina- like a finale tied in some way. But 
It's just you want to bring up that you want to suggest that it'll be revealed at the finale, or no, it'll be real revealed before the finale. But okay. it's like those characters are tied into whatever the finale episode is. So there you go. Season four I finale. Think we already, we'll we already be, have a prediction yeah. that says. Oh that. yeah, yeah. Then totally. Then I'm done okay. with predictions. Then for now. All right. Um, so my question. This is actually kind of my baggage more than it is about the episode. Um, but so I think this episode invites us invites us to consider Oz, whatever Oz is going through as a werewolf, like sort of as a metaphor. But I'm also like, if I try to consider that way, it we're like. It could be a metaphor for addiction, right? So it's like a drug thing where he can't, can he control himself? Can he not control himself? Is he responsible for his actions? Is he not responsible for his actions? Uh, you can make the same, say the same thing about sort of anger or about people who, you know, maybe, maybe can or cannot control their anger. To what extent do we hold them personally responsible when it destroys their relationships, whatever. Um, but for me, it, like thinking about that made me realize this thing that like has kind of been bugging me for a long time, which is like when I was like a teenager, I think I decided that uh, the interesting thing about fantasy or science fiction was that it reflected back on real life. And like, you know, I sort of took pride in like, I'm a Star Trek fan because Star Trek is about real issues. Whereas Star Wars fans are just in it for the lasers and they're morons. Um, and the thing That's is, so I, harsh on the Star Wars fans. I, I mean, Concept art is so much better on Star Wars than Star Trek. Yeah. Anyway, anyway I, there's like, so many things. That's I, such an awesome hate. But what I'm coming around to, <laughs> what I'm coming around to, is is that like, let's be real. Like, I don't like you know if I if I really liked Deep Space Nine because it's the metaphor for you know oppression in the real world, I wouldn't watch Deep Space Nine. I'd watch the news. <laughs> and like. On some level, I like these things on their own terms. And like, I like Buffy because it is about monsters. And being a monster is, it is a fruitful metaphor for a lot of things in real life, but that isn't the only thing that's enjoyable about it. And yeah. there's some part, like in watching this episode made me realize like, I care about this episode because I care about Willow and Oz as characters, not because it's some grand metaphor for something in real life. Like I just love them. And uh, I'm sort of like as a grown up, kind of making peace with that and I don't like need it to be a metaphor for anything. It might be, but I don't care at this point. So it's really interesting, John. Yeah, no, I kind of feel the same way of like, like I just enjoy the things I enjoy. Like I don't have to pretend to be smarter about the things I enjoy than I am, right? Right. Because I feel like I, we were pretty similar in high school with our Star Trek, Star Trek is smart attitude. Yeah. Uh, when is Star Trek is you're always making fun of me behind my back. Oh, for being a Star Wars fan? Yeah. Which uh, is ironic because now I don't like Star Wars or watch it, but um, which is totally ironic. I, I don't think we made fun of you behind your back. I made uh, fun of you in your face. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I think I like. I like. I was a big Babylon Five fan in high school, and I, they I definitely made fun of you for that. <laughs> what I was going to say is, I, I agree with you, John. That that. I agree with both of you. You know, sometimes the metaphor on Buffy is really fun. And sometimes like you need the metaphor because saying what you want to say outright is kind of, is too real, AKA the news. Mm -hmm. but, you know, the more I think about it, the more I, you know, it's, I think it's okay to be interested in monsters as a, as a thing. Because if we think about, you know, how many religions and beliefs what were, are on this planet or that have been, you know, all these polytheistic beliefs had all these elements of fantasy and monsters and, built into them. So I think there's, there's probably a pretty real human need um, 
this idea that you live beside or live with monsters and giants and all these all these supernatural elements have been a part with so many major religions, um, excluding a few. So I'm kind of I'm kind of at peace with this idea too that it's just okay to be into the, the supernatural uh, for its for its own for its own sake. Um, never mind them. Never mind the meta, never mind the metaphor. So Mike, what is it a metaphor for? <laughs> so now that we're done with metaphor, I like everyone's done with metaphors, and I'm not. So <laughs> we're not done, but we, we, we can like it, like it. And also just like monsters. That's what I'm trying to say. No, I, I enjoy the characters for sure. But like to remove this episode and talk about what's going on, like as an episode versus like, I like Willow and Oz. I'm sad they broke up and that these things happened. I mean, this episode in the way that Oz and Veruca kind of connect and talk about it. It's very much about a sexual identity and that, your rational self does X, Y, because Oz is the ultimate, most rational character on Buffy. And Veruca is the opposite, at least in this episode, the least rational character, eating a burger, is a musician, uh, will kill people if she wants, you know, does what she wants. Number three, and weakest, like most least important, kills people. Oh, yeah, totally. So any hamburger she wants to. She's a, she's a musician. She'll kill people. You know, she's basically an ultimate emotion machine. <laughs> um, but it's mostly about the sex. It's about the sexual identity because that's the biggest, most transgressive, crazy thing. Yeah, she ends up trying to kill Willow and, like, gets killed over it. But we're more upset over the sex and, like, yeah, we need an exit for us. But the stuff that feels real is the sex part for me. Is it, and is like, it really, is it really sexual identity, or is it, or is it sexual um, preferences, or sexual practice preferences, or is it really sexual identity versus what type, you know, what you would, what type of sex you would prefer to have? There's probably like a finer point if you want to make it, I guess, about sexual preferences. Like, but let's get to that if it makes sense. So, like, as it plays out in the episode right? Like, and that's, you know, I, I guess just want to agree with whether it's about sexual identity or not, which I think it, I think it is, you know, we have, you know, this opening, you know, where Oz is clearly entranced. He's been entranced for a couple of episodes now with Veruca. Um, it's about the music, but is it like no one else is as into the music as Oz? Like, it's clearly not about the music. It's about the sex, but he makes it about the music. He's trying to make it about something else, but it's clearly like he is sexually interested in Veruca. He's staring right into her eyes. Everyone else is like, music's okay. We know it's yeah. about sex. They share a private like eye gaze before. Eye gaze stuff is super sexual. So it's like he is looking. He gets the flushed ears that Willow notices. Right, which, yeah, it's a totally unusual thing. Um, they share a private conversation about a thing that Willow can't understand. They, you know, about music, but it's not about music. It's about their sexual connection and that they share something that Willow and Oz can't share otherwise. And then Oz, you know, chains himself up or whatever into this place we've never seen, but whatever. And then, and Willow's not allowed to do it because he's responsible. He can do it because he doesn't want to be in that relationship anymore. Or he, he wants to have sex in like with Faruka and is creating this excuse where he can escape and have sex with Faruka, which is what he really wants to do. And this is the rational sexual identity because rational Oz wants to be with Willow. Rational Oz is saying and doing all the things we want. But when he puts himself in that cage, like locks himself in as a werewolf which is super weird like we know he can get out you have the power to lock himself in you have power to get out of that situation like houdini right like he locks himself up in that situation he knows how to get out so he can get out and then he finds her 
and they have, I believe they have sex the first time that they get together because he doesn't want to think about it or talk about it, but they have sex about it and he doesn't remember or want to remember what it is. And he says that he's a rational person. Um, and then there's this great conversation. I just pulled a clip from, which is like Oz says, I'm only a wolf three nights a month. And Ruka says, or you're the wolf all the time. And your human face is just your disguise. Ever think of that? So she is the complete, you know, full sexual impulse. And Oz is the, trying to contain his sexual impulse. And then he lets his sexual impulses go. You know, he has a lot of guilt about it, which is why he can't connect with Willow anymore. Like she shows up to have sex with him in his room, whether it's an apartment or a cool, whatever, you know, wherever the place is, she starts up to have sex and he rejects her and it's harsh. And that's when she mm-hmm. feels so rejected. She has to go talk to, you know, Xander about it because the rejection is so real for her. Right. Because he's got so much shame about his expression of his sexuality. And then he, whatever connects with Ruka again, captures her or convinces her somehow to go. Cause she knows they're going to have sex into the cage which is again, like he controls the cage and it's just like a place for them to have sex. But like, it's not the right sex or the sex that he, that either of them would want. It's like the worst kind of sex, sex in a cage on a cold fucking concrete. But it's like, that's the sex that they deserve, right? Cause hey, they're monsters. Shame, Mike. Well, they shame them. Oz chooses to shame I them know. with the way they have sex, right? right? And that's the, that's like a kind of transgressive and fucked up thing is like he chooses to shame their sexuality by making it take place in this cage together, right? He's like, oh, our kind of sex, this raw sex can only take place here where a rational person would say, no, it shouldn't happen. And then, you know, Willow shows up and shames them and then it's kind of over. The show kind of took me along with this on this journey of sexual identity for Oz. And like, I empathize with him strongly. Like, I also want to have all the sex. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm not a werewolf. I'm not a supernatural person. So I never have to like unleash. I ne- there's not that three days in the month where like I am my full sexual self. Like I'm only sometimes my sexual self and I get to control it. And I'm very rational about my sexual self versus like if I, there was a supernatural element, this world's fucked. Uh, <laughs> but and I, I kind of, in, I really enjoyed that. And I feel like that's kind of the werewolf story. And like, it was so, so rad to see it. But anyway, thoughts about that. Yeah, I think you're right. Analysis, Mike. Yeah, you're welcome. It's all on the fly. Yeah, I I mean, I think, yeah, all of us, like whatever from, I'm like whatever, wherever you are in any spectrum of sexuality, I think we all regard our own sexuality from a little bit of a distance where like, I'm my rational person over here. And what's that other person over there who uh, has sexual desire that's irrational? I think we all, I think we all do that. And I think we can all relate to to Oz in that regard. The werewolf in general metaphor like is so easy to use as sexuality right because it's like it's the lust it's like your animal it's literally your animal self like the desires that society tells you to like chain up yeah it's, it's about power it's about aggression it's about taking what you, what you want it's about satisfying your own desires like there's a little bit of the power veruga talks about and wrapped up in that is this heavy heavily sexual element as well that's kind of wrapped up in the werewolf travis when you ask about sexual preference Right. I think it's more of just a realization of sexual maturity. It's kind of what I would say. It seems like Oz has been kind of, you could take it the other way where, you know, in high school, you have a certain level of sexual um, uh, identity maturity, and then um, that can change. And you could say, well, when you go to college, this is when it can, it can change in some, 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 you know, a variety of different ways. Maybe that's what this could have, could be, but um, uh I like that. I like that a lot because it's like 
when your sexual relationships in high school, you try to ape the adult relationships, or at least some people do. What you think, what you think is normal, right? And then like, you're kind of out of touch with the reality of your body and your physicality, like what you want. Okay. And then mm-hmm. hopefully you indulge in that in college or you like get in touch with it as an adult, like what you sexually want, which yeah. is why Oz, Oz is leaving like to explore his sexuality, his werewolf side, but like also mm-hmm. figure out who he is. Like, yes, he, he basically has to go to another town. When you kill someone, you have to leave. But yeah, you know, but like, I'd also to admit like that your sexual identity is part of you, right? So to say like the werewolf is part of me, right? Like I've been saying, the werewolf is this other thing. I'm me, and then like, control, like, I become yeah. this other thing. But to admit, like, you are your sexuality to a degree, right? So that's the identity part of it. And I think it's really interesting with Oz because if you look at the last, is it two episodes that Veruca has been in before this one? Like, other people, I really think other people recognize he's attracted to her before he does. Like, he's so in his human form, divorced from his animal desires that he doesn't even recognize what they are right um and that's something about him being that stoic and that rational and stuff that like this shit hits his body without him even knowing what it is uh which is interesting that i mean a big part of his character like it's a big like like when we first meet him they're like oz you never go after ladies we're in a band that's like currency and he's like (laughs) nah nah <laughs> I think he makes that actual noise. <laughs> I think he made a mistake leaving the show. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. it's because the things that like Buffy is so much more memorable in the culture than the other things that he did. Yeah. I mean, even like Austin Powers, which like took over the entire world for like four years. Behave. Who talks about Austin Powers now? Yeah. Well, hopefully, they, they, ne- they were never quoting him. They were never like I don't know what's even a line from that he uses. Yeah. Like, do dad. Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. I mean... Hey, that movie's okay. (laughs) It's just interesting, this cultural idea, at least in the U.S., that you kind of have to go everything on your own. You have to solve your old problems. And I think, Mike, you brought up how being able to disappear after you break up with an ex is like this magical supernatural, this magical fantasy. Um, But it'd be great to see if what, like, how this would have been dealt with in different cultures where there wasn't such a... um, an emphasis on like the solo on being, you know, you're, you're like the superstar, the, the individual, like, you know, other cultures around the world, which don't necessarily emphasize individual over the group. That would have been like a really fun way uh, of how this could have ended differently. Totally. But, I, yeah, I think that's really insightful, Travis. But it, it yeah. just like highlights, yep. I got some of my problems. I got some by myself. Well, I mean, even but, we on this show, like we've been like really quick to look up to Oz as like the um the sort of like the paragon of of emotional maturity because he seems like he always has the right answer he never seems to have like he never seems to give in to anything um he always seems to be worried about other people before himself and i think we see the weakness of that in this episode a little bit um where like he doesn't have any he doesn't know who to go to for help and so he tries to handle all by himself and he totally screws it up yeah, and he has the power as an individual to indulge his every impulse, you know, in whatever, you know, rationalized way he yeah. wants to. If he but just I, had, like, one good friend he could talk to about, like, his werewolf desires, this probably could have talked to Devin better. from Bingo's. Yeah, well, like, he, well, that's the thing. Like, his male friends are all idiots. Like, who's he yeah. going to talk to, Xander? Like, Giles. Giles and him are obviously <laughs> destined to be best friends. Yeah. Yeah, and, but Giles can't read, you know, isn't, can't connect with him. It sucks. 
there's, there's an alternate reality where 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 Oz and Xander like bond over Velvet Underground Records and then like become Oz like, and Giles. Oz and Giles. Yeah. Oz and Giles rather. Yeah, Oz. Oz and Giles can like bond over like Velvet Underground Records and then like they talk about uh, his feelings. He says, "Well, I'm really attracted to this werewolf lady." And then Giles is like, "Oh, let me help you with that in magical, but also just like knock it out kind of ways." Mm-hmm. Totally different totally. situation. I think that sounds really similar to Travis's AU from uh, the end of season three, right? Yeah, that's right. Where they, they Giles leaves with Oz on a on a road trip. Yeah, and, a, and, a, and they fight demons on the road. Um, it would have been fun if you know Oz had if Oz had shown up at that. What was that Jimmy? The what was the what was the um, bartender that like the, that was the snitch? Yeah, was it Willie's? Willie's. It'd be great if like Oz showed up at Willie's like. Like with like a super dark secret, and he's trying to relate to Willie, and Willie's just like freaked out. <laughs> Willie wouldn't be freaked out. Willie would be freaked out. He's like, please don't tell Buffy that they're we're still operating, and that yeah. we're not <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah. keep your secret. You keep my secret. Listen, <laughs> bu- listen, buddy. This is normal for me, but if Buffy comes in and punches me, I'm going to tell her about this. Just so you know, I would have been fun if I could get a bit at Willie's for a time or. You're right. You know, you can tell that this wasn't a um, like he was leaving the show for like a reason other than like a creative reason. Because because creatively, the best thing for him to do would would have been to show up on Angel, the dude whose whole purpose in life is friggin' redemption. But that doesn't happen, obviously. With the van, yeah. Um, think about it, think about vamp. Imagine a vamp working with an or a werewolf working for a vamp. Ooh, that would have been cool. All right. Well, I think we got deep enough. So we're going to say farewell. I've been Dennis St. John. You can check out my comics at D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X.com. Mike, what are you up to? Oh, sure. I'm on Twitter at Michael Poley. Uh, I'll eventually make more YouTube videos, Um, not particularly (laughs) uh, about Buffy, but, you know, other videos. And you can find us wherever you find your podcasts, including on YouTube. Uh, Please subscribe, like, review. Yeah, and comment uh, comment on YouTube with it's a little bit challenging to like have a relationship with a podcast. You know, we're like, oh, tweet at us with your thoughts and stuff. I actually think YouTube is a pretty good repository for those comments. Uh, so, like, if you can get on our YouTube channel and comment there, like, we always see those and comment back. Twitter, it's often you know Dennis or I are only people on Twitter, but you know John and Travis uh, all all see the YouTube stuff. So, like, if you are commenting on YouTube, everyone sees it. If it's on Twitter, maybe just Dennis and myself. So. Just to say, just let you know, like, not that you shouldn't comment on Twitter, but YouTube is like a more centralized spot for, you know, comments. Customize your comments to our weird social media habits. <laughs> I think it's true of the world, though. The podcasting is in a weird spot right now where, like, if you like a podcast and you have a thought about it, like, what the fuck do you do? Like, some podcasts are like, oh, hit us up on Twitter. We're five different Twitter people and add us individually. Yeah. And well, that's fucking nonsense. And like YouTube is like a centralized space. And actually we get a lot of like more people sometimes viewing episodes on YouTube versus on any other format. And I think because it's even searchable, but like this is a separate podcast conversation. But uh, my, my point being- But I do, I, I enjoy the Twitter conversations I have as Buffy Virgin. Uh, so don't stop doing those. I, I have a fun time talking to Rich and uh, Renee and uh, a couple other people. So. All right, don't stop doing what you're doing. We love you. Don't stop it. And we will see you all in hell.